Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, March the 30th, 2023. It is currently 8.25 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, there are times I turn on this microphone. There are times I hit this microphone. There you go. I just hit the microphone. There are times that I turn on this microphone, sit in front of this microphone, and I don't have a clear destination. In other words, I don't have it all mapped out that, okay, I'm going to start here, then I'm going to do this, and this is how I'm going to bring it to a dramatic conclusion. There are times I turn on this microphone just really to try to work through concepts and ideas or something that I'm thinking about in real time. Some of you love that, some of you hate that, but I I always try to give you a heads up. In this particular case, I don't have a clear destination. There are a lot of ideas bouncing around my mind this evening, and and I don't I don't have it all mapped out. I don't have it all figured out. I'm still processing a lot of it. But if you've been listening to the podcast, you you notice certain themes have been emerging recently, and I I love when that happens because we may talk about it in one episode, we may talk about it in a different podcast episode, and then sooner or later, as the, the idea, the concept kind of begins to moves to moves to the forefront then then i then sometimes i will ultimately find a way to really deal with it in a more comprehensive way so you kind of hear everything start from the beginning and then work its way to some kind of conclusion this kind of falls somewhere in the middle of all of this where i haven't reached a conclusion yet but i'm still trying to process it let let me explain we have talked about recently really kind of i guess you could say two Two concepts, really, I think two concepts. The first concept is the reality of the world in which we live versus the things we confess that are true about God. What do I mean about that? About that? Well, we as Christians, we confess that certain things are true about God. He is all-powerful. We all confess that. He is all-knowing. He is eternal. He's omnipresent. He is sovereign. He is creator. These are truths about God, and those truths about God, they never change. That is just true about God, and we can't can't interpret God on the basis of what we see in life, right? So we have these truths about God, but life seems to contradict those truths, truths about God, or at least it calls into question that, right? God is love. God is holy. God is just. God is merciful. God is all-powerful. God is gracious. All of these truths about God that we confess, but when we look at our world, we see pain and suffering and death and, and children being shot in school and a church school on top of that who are, what, nine years of age, die all of the other th- horrible things that just constantly are happening in our world. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, God is sovereign, he is creator, he's love, he's mercy, he's just, uh, he, he's all of these things, then how do we explain what's going on in our world? And, and it raises lots of questions. And, and Christians, Christians sometimes don't like to deal with that. We, we will, we'll talk about how wonderful God is, but sometimes we, we, when we talk about how horrible the world is, we, 
it's like there's a disconnect. We'll say, well, well, God, God can do this and God can fix it. And, and, and if people will pray more and if people would go to, well, and listen, you can pray, go to church and all of these horrible things are going to continue to happen. So, so, so we live this as Christians, we struggle with this kind of conflict, right? And we've talked a lot about this, that these are, these are the characteristics of God. And remember, we've been talking a little bit about this. Remember, because of a book that I told everyone about that I literally have right here, it, it stays open, uh, you know, every day since I've gotten the book right here on my, my table here for my broadcast. It's called Know Him, A Year of Daily Bible Readings on the Character of God. So I've just been, you know, every day turning the page to the next day's reading turning the page. And I, I look at it every day. And so I've been th- doing a lot of thinking about the attributes of God, the character of God. And so I know that the character of God is in direct conflict and direct contradiction to the world in which we live. So we cannot interpret God. We cannot understand God in light of what we see, because if you look at what you see, you could come to these conclusions. Well, God obviously is not all-powerful. Clearly, God is not all-knowing. Clearly, he's not omnipresent. Clearly, he doesn't love us. Clearly, he doesn't, like, you would draw some really, if you look at the world, and then you look, and then you try to look at a world that we live in, that we live in, and, and I think, and I think if we're, if you, you were to really do this almost as an experiment, if you were to say, okay, look at the world, and then define the God who created that world and is in charge of that world, okay? And, and, and just start writing out what you, would, what you would think about this God based on the world in which you live. You'd be like, oh, lost control of it, powerless, doesn't care, has no compassion, doesn't know what's going on. You would probably, you, the God you would create, in other words, if you start with the world and then create a God that would explain this world, you would probably be like, this is some messed up, like, this deity is really messed up. And we have to be honest with that because atheists and agnostics, they constantly point this out. Well, oh, your God is so loving. Your God is so powerful. Well, what about this? And 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 what about this? This is where as Christians, we understand that we place our faith in a God that is completely contradictory to the world in which we live. And this is where it comes in that you know, that we, we, we understand. Okay. Well, I hope, I hope it does. Someone just said that's a good way to describe and put it in in perspective. I hope it is, but I I think as Christians, this is the whole point of, and and I know I I hate, I hate giving statements that sound like a cliche, but it's the whole idea of walking by faith and not by sight. So look, look my, my, but when I say by faith, in other words, if I believe the Bible is the inerrant inspired word of God, right? When I read it, what it reveals to me about God is true, irregardless of what I see. Like the scripture says, this is who God is. I don't say this is who God is by looking to the world, because if I look to the world, I would come to a different conclusion. So therefore I have to walk by faith, not by sight. I have to say, this is true of God, even though everything around me screams something different, something completely contrary to that. And that's very hard. Not... I, for some Christians, it doesn't seem that hard. They just somehow, they find some weird way to reconcile it. And, and it's always weird. Well, you know, God gave people free will. Well, he gave free will knowing what was going to happen. And if he gave, and if he gave free will and God can never do anything in any way, shape or form 
to infringe upon that will, to hinder that will, or to change that will, then there's no point in praying to him. So, so it, free will does. I, I, even Christians think that that's some weird answer. I don't know how that answers anything. It doesn't answer anything. So, all I know is this: what the scriptures say is true of God is true of God, irregardless of what I see and what I've witnessed. So, we've been talking a little bit about that in some podcast episodes. This this struggle, you know, every what ten seconds another child starves to death. All of these horrible statistics, and and we could just pull up all the statistics about childhood cancer, uh, cancer in general, uh, people who die because of drinking and driving, drug over. We could just go on and on and on and on and on. Rape, murder, child molestation, child ch- uh, child abuse, we war, crime. We can just go on and on and on and on, and it would be just a horrific picture of humanity. And we could say, well, and, and I know what some Christians say, well, well, but because the fall, the fall, well, I understand the fall happened, but God knew, created a world knowing the fall was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, so, so, I mean, no matter where you go, it goes, look, you can make up all the excuses. You can come up with all the supposed reasons, but this is where you're going to end up back. You're, you're going to end up right back here in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God, who is that God? All powerful, all knowing, eternal all those, and he still created. And I, I've told you, my problems always start in Genesis 1-1. So all I know is that I cannot, I cannot define God based off what I see. I have to define God by what is revealed in his word. And that doesn't change, irregardless of what I see, feel, or experience. Right? So we've been talking a lot about that. A lot about that. Then, a second thing we've been talking about is prayer. Okay, so how does prayer fit into all of this, right? How does prayer fit into all of this? Because we're praying to a God. Like, like it, it, this is so hard for me to say, but but we we have to just deal with this. These are these are the big theological issues we've been talking about and struggling with on this podcast. Whether you've realized it or not, these are issues we've been discussing and talking about. And a lot of times, I try to introduce ideas, hoping to spark lot, lots of conversation way before I actually really dig into the conversation. But we, we've been struggling with this reality of God in the world in which we live. And then when you struggle with God in the world in which we live, then you introduce the concept of prayer. And it sometimes is just so perplexing. For example, whatever tragedy you witness, whatever horrific thing, death, car wreck, cancer, you whatever tragedy it is, and you say, Everyone, we need to pray about this situation by all means. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray. The scriptures calls us to pray. But here's the bizarre thing about it. And Christians have to acknowledge this. Wait a minute. We're going to pray to the very God about this situation. Who not only knew this situation was going to occur before the foundations of the world. Didn't do anything to stop it. So somehow allowed it, wanted it to happen, decreed it to happen, depending on your theology. So we're going to pray to the God who did nothing to stop it to now do something about it? Well, he wanted it to happen in the first place, right? He said, well, he didn't want it to happen. Oh, so then God's lost control? And if God, So either God didn't want it to happen, but lost control. And if he lost control, then why pray to it? Because he's already lost control. And if he's in control, then why didn't he do something before? Like, like it, it, it just seems such an odd, like, 
How do we process all of this? How do we understand all of this? So we've talked a little bit about prayer. Now, I've tried to help a little bit, giving us those specific things we can pray about, right? I talked about that we can praise God for his attributes and his character, irregardless of what we see or experience, right? We can pray, praise God for his omnipresence, his omnipotence, his holiness, his eternality, all of these attributes because... Well, because those are true. So we can praise him for that. We can thank God for all the things, for all the spiritual blessings we have received. And we did a little devotional message about all the spiritual blessings we've been given. There's one of them that we still need to work on, and that is inheritance. Um, so we, we, we'll, we'll try to find a time to work on that. But I, just all this struggle with prayer. And remember, I started getting lots of emails from people going, hey, I've been, one, one person said, I've been saved 40 years and I still don't know how to pray. A lot of people were like, you know, so, well, what can I do to pray more effectively? And and started asking some hard questions about prayer. And I don't have any easy answers. I don't have any easy answers. By no means, though, am I saying don't pray. I'm saying it's just, here's the reality. And the, this reality about prayer really enters into the public consciousness. It really enters into public, into pop culture after a horrible tragedy. And sometimes, I think in the past, it was almost viewed as, yes, pray, because we don't know what to do. But I think the culture is becoming more and more jaded, more and more cynical about prayer, the more and more tragedy occurs. And let me give you an example from pop pop culture. Uh, Conservatives and Christians are going crazy about this. Here's the story. Someone sent this to me a little while ago. This was published March the 30th, 2023. Pure evil. Conservatives lose it over Whoopi Goldberg's t-shirt. All right, or, or shirt, not t-shirt, shirt. Pure evil. Now, it's just interesting. Conservatives lose it, lose it over Whoopi Goldberg's shirt. Everyone's going to lose uh, lose it over Whoopi Goldberg's shirt. That's pure evil. I don't know. What do you call three nine-year-olds being shot to death in a, in a church school? I don't know. I think that's pure evil. But hey, what do I know? All right, here we go. It says, Whoopi Goldberg earlier this week wore a sweatshirt. So not a t-shirt, a sweatshirt promoting gun safety laws during appearance on The View. Now, let me make it very clear. I loathe the television show The View. I loathe it. I despise it. I hate it. I, I cannot stand it. it when, just hearing when The View comes on, and if I hear it, if I'm in close proximity to a television, I want to grab a fork and shove it in my ear. I want to gouge out my eyes. I cannot stand the show. It is, it's mindless, insane insanity of people talking about what's going on in the world. In many cases, it just seems like they have no clue. They just have an ideology. They don't, it's just, it's maddening. It's maddening. It's maddening. It's maddening. It's maddening. That's the one thing I can't, I can't watch it. I can't, I can't tolerate it. So I'm no, I'm no fan of the view, but I, obviously I don't want it censored. Obviously I don't want it silenced. Obviously I don't want it banned because I, you know, I want everyone to have the freedom. I want them to have the freedom to be on television saying whatever they want. And I, I want the freedom to be here sitting in front of a microphone saying how much I hate it. But we'll, we'll be Goldberg earlier this week wore a t-shirt promoting gun safety laws during appearance on the view. And it created an uproar in right-wing circles. Oh, boy. Uh, hey, w- let's get upset. What are we going to get upset? About a sweatshirt. Not about kids being shot, I guess. The sweatshirt has thoughts and prayers crossed out above a call for policy and change. 
Thoughts and prayers is the phrase commonly used in the aftermath of tragic incidents by public officials and has become a symbol of inaction in the, uh, amid the ongoing gun violence epidemic, according to a CNN report that says the expression has become a, cyti- a cynical meme. I want you to hear that. The expression, thoughts and prayers, has become a cynical meme. To express your cynicism. To express a cynical, you say thoughts and prayers. That means the phrase has actually backfired. When Christians say that, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, it's actually turning the culture uh, against the even concept. It's, It's bothering them. I don't know when Christians are ever going to learn this. When pain, suffering, tragedy, and death occurs, by, please, I beg Christians, it, and I know I'm going to sound really mean here, but I beg Christians, I plead with Christians, when tragedy strikes, when death, when pain and suffering, sometimes the best thing Christians should do is absolutely shut our mouths. Just shut up. Please, I beg you. I, I'll never forget after my mother died. And all the Christians who would say, I think everything a Christian said to me almost drove me to atheism. Just stop talking. Please just go away. I don't even want you near me. Just don't. Don't talk. Find me an atheist to talk to me because it was just mindless cliches, mindless nonsense that meant nothing. It was just, it was just, oh, it was just insanity. You don't know, you don't know anything. You don't know what God, you don't, you you know, oh, well, God thought it was time to take your mom to heaven. What are you talking about? Well, thank you, God, for taking my mom to heaven. First of all, how do you even know my mom's a Christian? It was just, oh man, oh, I I wanted, I wanted to scream. I I can't even tell you to this day. That's one of the, that's one of the reasons when I, at that moment, I realized I hated funerals. I despise them. That's why I, I will not have a funeral because I can't stand them. I can't stand them. And mainly because of what, how, anytime I've been at a, at a funeral where there are Christians, it's just nonstop cliches and these useless, meaningless words that have no substance to them. They're just useless. And the same thing when tragedy strikes, thoughts and prayers, yeah, okay, and? And then what, 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 what? Now, I know that people mean well, okay? I know I'm coming across very harsh. I know they mean well, but all of this thoughts and prayers has made the world even cynical. Oh, thoughts and prayers. Oh, wait, how did that work with, oh, yeah, let's see. We've been given thoughts and prayers since Columbine. We've been given thoughts and prayers since Columbine. The shootings are still occurring. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and, and then the next school shooting. Thoughts and prayers, and then the next school shooting. Thoughts and prayers, and then the next school shooting. Thoughts, hey, about hey, take your thoughts and prayers to a, a, a children's cancer hospital, Thought, and they still die. How about, I mean, thoughts and prayers for all the children being molested this evening. Thoughts and prayers for, like, the, the, prayer becomes a difficult subject. So we've been talking about these two concepts, about God's character versus the world in which we live, and then prayer how do we rec- work around it? How do we understand it? So I talked about the different things we can do in prayer, right? We can praise God for his character. We can thank God for what he has done and is doing and will do. We can definitely thank him for that. We can obviously confess our sins. We can bring our 
petitions and intercessions to God. We can, but I, I don't know how that works. And, and, and I've read all of the books and all, I mean, all the seminary, all the Bible colleges, I've heard all of the apologetic explanations and everyone thinks, oh, look at us. We have an intellectual way of explaining. It, it all falls apart. It all falls apart. We don't, it, it's beyond our comprehension to understand it. Now, those are two issues. Tonight, I know that's took a long, a long time to talk about it. And I'll probably talk about that uh, Whoopi Goldberg uh, shirt, maybe in a different episode. I was going to do two episodes. Maybe I'm just going to do one this evening. But there's a third concept. And I don't know for sure how this third concept fits in with the other two. But I'm, I'm, I'm bringing up the third concept, trying to understand some kind of answer, some kind of something, something. And here's what happened. Let me explain what happened. All right. First, I had here on my desk the Know Him book that I keep mentioning, and it was open, open to March the 30th, right? The very first word at the top, they kind of give each day's readings kind of a title, right? And remember, this is kind of a devotional book with no devotional. This is just scripture, right? They have kind of a little statement at the bottom and then a title at the top. And so the first word I saw when I sat down today, when I came up to the study and I sat down, I saw the word waiting. All right. So I just kind of took that word and like, okay, I'm going to just think about the word waiting all day. I'm just going to think about the word waiting. All right. Then over here to my, that's, that's to my left. Over to my right is feature a daily Bible study guide, January through March, 2023. And I, I, I just, I, I was going to open it up to see maybe what the, what the study was for today. And I just opened it up and guess what the word I saw, the very first word I saw, this is on page 18. I could take a screenshot if you don't, if you need to, if you need to see it, if you don't believe me, but page 18, I think maybe I had my pencil inside of it. I just remember when I opened it up, because I was going to go to today's date, I looked and guess what the first word I saw? Wait. So I have wait, waiting. I'm like, okay, okay, all right. I, I, I'm like, this is interesting. I'm, I'm going to give this a little bit more thought. Wasn't, wasn't doing a lot of thinking about it. Then I decided, you know what? Let me just look up the definition for wait. Let me just look up the definition for wait, right? So I'm going to look up the definition for wait or waiting. Let's just do that. Definition. And it means the action of staying where one is or delaying action until a particular time or until something else happens. The action of staying where one is or delaying action until a particular time or until something else happens. Now, so we got this weird, we got this weird almost contradiction, dichotomy between God's character and the world in which we live. This God that we pray to, but how do we understand prayer in light of, well, all of the, that we see? So we struggle with these kind of issues, God's character and say prayer. We can just separate them that way. So I wanted to add waiting to it. Because somehow, in some roundabout way, I think we have to maybe understand that so much of the Christian life is living a life of perpetual waiting. 
that we are waiting for that which is true philologically, that which is true in, in spiritual reality, right? That which is true in spiritual reality, we are waiting for that spiritual reality to become the truth in our practical reality, that we are constantly living in a practical reality that contradicts the spiritual truth, the spiritual reality, that this is true of God, but we don't necessarily see that truth played out in a practical reality, that we pray to a God who can act, but we don't see that God acting in a way. So we, we spend our life and the Christian life is a perpetual life of waiting for that which is spiritual to become true in practice, in life. I don't know if that's a good way of saying it. Remember, I told you I'm still processing this. Well, let me just, I'm going to, I'm going to take the knowing him book or know him. I keep saying knowing him, know him book. I'm going to move over my iPad and, and I know I keep bumping into the microphone. I apologize. It's the microphone stand, if you, if you need to know what I keep bumping into. Um, this is for March the 30th. I'm just going to, I'm just going to re- read the first, the top part. Waiting on God's certain compassion. Okay. Now, we live in a world where, where, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? We're in a perpetual state of waiting. Now, we can pray, 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 but we're still in a perpetual state of waiting. I think I think there's just a I think there's somehow there's a truth to this. Just stay with me. Let me try to flesh this out, okay? I'm trying to flesh this out in real time. Right? So here's the first scripture they gave. Psalm 31, 9 through 10. Psalm 31, 9 through 10. So I've got my Bible open. Psalm 31, verse 9. Psalm 31, verse 9. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I'm in trouble. Mine eyes is consumed with grief. Yea, my soul and my, uh, my, uh, let me read this again. Psalm 31, verse nine. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief. Yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. Now, once again, this describes a life of suffering, of pain, of difficulty. And the one thing I do love about the Bible is that from Genesis to Revelation, we see lives filled with pain and suffering and difficulty. The very Bible that says God is holy, God is perfect, God is love, God is mercy, God is grace, the same Bible that conf- that declares all of that to be true, reveals all of that to be true, also tells a story of the people, even the people of God, the people who believe in God, suffering, 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 suffering. There's everything in the Bible from rape, incest, death, destruction, lying, deceit, war, I mean, you just name it, a rape, I, every, everything you can imagine, it's there, everything. It's just all there. It, it, it's just over and over. And these are people in many cases who are suffering. The Bible doesn't, the Bible never declares it like, well, there's God and he's going to intervene and fix it. Now, there are situations where God does intervene. Sometimes it's maddening because sometimes he intervenes and then other times he's nowhere to be found. Lazarus, Jesus shows up. John the Baptist, he's like, well, not even going to go visit him in prison. And you're like, well, whoa, 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 what happened here? What happened here? What happened? Here? It, it, and 
sometimes it's confusing and confounding how it plays itself out. But suffering is there. So here we have Psalm 31, 9 through 10. I'm going to read it from this translation. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I'm in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. I mean, that's describing a life of suffering, meaning God's not immediately intervening. God's not doing anything at that moment. Where's God? The next verse they have is Isaiah 30, 18. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Let me go to Isaiah 30, 18. Isaiah 30. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all that wait for him. Now, there's a historical setting here, but now we get introduced. So we have, we have suffering going on in Psalm 31. God obviously is not immediately showing up. God hasn't shown up because that's why the psalmist is writing it. And then Isaiah 30, 18 Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. In a sense, God is waiting to show the compassion. Now that says he longs to, which is even more perplexing than why doesn't he do it? But then it's the idea, blessed are those who wait. There's the waiting concept. Waiting, waiting. Suffering occurs and God does not immediately intervene. This this seems to be a common thing in, in scripture, right? Then we have James 5, 10 through 11. James 5. James 5. If I, can, if I go the right way, when I'm looking for the book of James. James 5. And it says 10 through 11, James 5, 10 through 11. I'm going to read it from the King James. James 5, 10 through 11. Uh, Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth. Okay, that's verse 12. So the idea is it talks about these Old Testament saints. Um, Yeah, they only want us to go to verse 11. It talks about these Old Testament saints who suffered, but they endured it with patience. Meaning, once again, it's an example that in the Christian life, waiting, 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 waiting. And then if I go to to the devotional here. We have way, uh, Isaiah 40, verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31. You know what this one is. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Again, did these have historical context? I understand. But in whatever the historical context is, we hear this waiting. Here we go. You know this one. We sing this at my church. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Those that wait on the Lord. There's waiting again. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Psalm 62, 1. Psalm 62, 1. 
Psalm 62, 1. Uh, Truly my soul waiteth upon God for him that uh, cometh my salvation. Wait, there's the idea of waiting once again. They have verse 5 here as well. My soul wait thou only upon God for my expectation is from him. There's waiting. There's more things about waiting. Psalm 27, 14. Psalm 27, 14. Psalm 27, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, he sh- uh, uh, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There's the idea of waiting again. Um, you can we, can, we can just go through all of these passages about waiting. There's probably more there that I could look through in that devotional, but you get the idea. Waiting, 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 waiting. That's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. Think of it this way. Here's, here's the Christian life. All right, are you ready? Here we go. Here's the Christian life. See if this helps. The Christian life is placing our faith in a God as he is revealed in Scripture, even though it contradicts what we see. We have faith that God is holy, righteous, all-powerful, all of these things, and it contradicts the world in which we see. Because we if we were to find God by what we see, we would not define God the way Scripture defines God. There's nobody in their right mind would. We have to start with Scripture. Even though the world contradicts it, we have to, by faith, believe in a God and believe as he is revealed in Scripture, even though it contradicts the world in which we see. Number two, we have to pray to the very God who obviously somehow allows, wants, decrees. It's a part of his plan. Everything that we see around us that seems so messed up. We're still called to pray to that God. It makes absolutely no sense. So we pray in a sense by faith saying, Lord, I don't understand. I'm coming to you. I don't know what you're going to do, why you're going to do it. I don't understand any of it, but I'm just handing it to you. Now, now this doesn't really answer what prayer is for and what we're hoping to accomplish in prayer, but it tells us that we are at least setting our our focus on him. And maybe it's just simply declaring that we're placing our faith in him, even though it makes no sense. Once again, it's to, it, it forces us to go against what we see, right? So we, we put our faith in a God and we, and we under, and we put a faith in those attributes of God as they are declared to us in scripture, even though it goes against what we see. And we pray to this God, even though it makes no sense. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Christian life is a life of waiting. The Christian life is a Christian life of waiting. It's, it's, it's all it is. It's we wait, wait, we wait, we wait. We know what God, we know who God is, but we don't quite see all of that. We don't see necessarily all of those attributes in play in any meaningful way. Sometimes we refer to them as communicable and uncommunicable uh, or non-communicable attributes, right? Some are communicated to us. Some of them, though, even when they are communicated to us, sometimes we don't see them on a regular and everyday basis. Sometimes you could say, well, you could see it here, you could see it here. But there's lots of places where it doesn't seem to be communicated in 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 a meaningful way. So what do we wait? We wait for what is true. Think of it this way. The Christian life is waiting for what is true spiritually, to thou become evident everywhere. Like the, the truth, the spiritual truth becomes the truth that is true spiritually and in everyday life. Obviously, when, when ultimately, when it's all said and done, well, then we'll see God's love, compassion. We'll, we'll see it all. We'll see, we'll see all of that played out in a real meaningful way throughout all eternity. But in the meantime, 
we we live in a world that contradicts it. So we wait for the that which is spiritual to become true in a practical way. We're waiting for that. I think the Christian life is praying for things that may never, we may pray for God to work in this situation, but the ultimate working in that situation may not be till eternity. We may pray for healing, but that healing may not occur to, well, in most cases, it's not going to occur until eternity. We can pray about this situation and this situation and this situation and this situation, but in reality, we're, we're wait and 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 wait. That's, I think that we have this I, mentality that because God is God and we know these attributes and because we are called to pray, we have this mentality that all of the solutions, all of the things are going to happen in our time and our time, but it doesn't work that way. Like, like James 5 talks about the Old Testament prophets. They suffered. They did so with patience. Why? They were waiting. They were waiting. They were waiting. Think of all the promises that were given to many of those Old Testament prophets or given to Abraham and to many. They never saw the fulfillment of so much of that. They saw this promise. They prayed for that. They didn't see it. They didn't see it. They didn't see it. So much of what we pray for, so much for what we long for, we're not going to see it here. It's going to be fulfilled in eternity. I'm not saying we don't pray for situations. I'm saying we have to pray with situations with a different mindset. The mindset isn't, oh, you see, because there's a God. He's going to intervene. He's going to fix this, fix this. And I know Christians love to tell those stories. They prayed for this. I mean, read the book, Experiencing God. They've got all these countless stories of how it's supposed to work. Anyone's ever read that book after about 30 minutes, you just like, this is not the way life works. It's almost like reading a fictitious story. Now, people always make these claims on how things work, but yeah, all right. What, whatever. By all means, pray for it. But I think we have to have an understanding that this is the way the Christian life is. A faith in a God that his attributes are what are revealed in Scripture, not based on what we see. We pray, even though we know that that's the God who, well, is allowing all of this to happen, and that sometimes it makes no sense, but we wait. Waiting on God. It seems to be a common theme throughout Scripture. Do we need to develop a theology of waiting? Right? We have Scriptures that talk about, if you think about it, think about how this works even in in a more practical level in your Christian life. All of these Scriptures that talk about, for example, being a new creature in Christ or being holy or being righteous— Clearly, we know we're never going to be that. We are that positionally. We will never be that practically until we have a new body and, and the sin nature is gone. So even in, if you think about your Christian life, so much of what the Bible, so many things, this is what Christians love to do. They love to take certain things and try to make it a reality now. We want to make it the fact that we are without sin now, but we are still with sin. We want to make it the idea that because there's God, he's going to fix this, 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 and this, and this, but there's no guarantee he's going to fix any of that until he hasn't fixed much of the, I mean, think of all the problems that's been going on for 2000 years in human history, war, disease, plague, famine, abuse, death, rape, child molestation, all of the other horror, none of it stopped. So we have this idea that if we'll just implore God, he'll fix it, he'll fix it, he'll fix it. But maybe 
We implore God, believing that there will be an ultimate fix. Maybe we, we have reduced God to a God that must fix things in our time. That God must make us a new creature practically now. But we think that. We declare that. It's not true. We're not a new creature now practically because we still have a sin nature. It is true positionally. So what do I always say about the Christian life? The Christian life is the never-ending process of trying to live out practically what is true positionally. Well, the Christian life is a never-ending life of a perpetual life of waiting for that which is true spiritual to one day manifest itself in a practical way where there is ultimately sin is gone, Satan is gone, disease is gone, death is gone, tears are gone, and we long we, we, by faith, walk, hoping, looking to that, but at the same time, not denying the reality around us. I'm not saying that we live a life so focused on this spiritual reality that we deny the practical reality. No, we have to live a life with patience, walking a practical reality that contradicts all of these things God is, all these things God says he will do, all of these promises, all of this hope. We look to that by faith. Faith is what we, it's the evidence of what's not seen. And that's what the world doesn't understand. Now, many Christians, when they say thoughts and prayers, you know, you know I've, I've seen it so many times. The way to stop school shootings is prayer. What are you talking about? Prayer is going to stop school shootings? Has prayer stopped murder? Has prayer stopped rape? Has prayer stopped child molestation? Has pra- Give me a break, okay? Like, like sometimes, now we can pray for it, but maybe the, the ultimate fulfillment will never be now. It's always been when, when, when ultimately everything comes to an end and all of those promises will be fulfilled. And some say, well, then what's the point of prayer? The point of prayer is that I'm, I'm showing my faith. I'm putting my faith in God. I'm putting my faith in God, even though it goes against everything I see. It's me trying to, to patiently endure a reality that is so contradicts the truth of all of the spiritual truth. And I'm praying, demonstrating that God, I don't understand it, but I'm putting my faith in you. I'm trusting you. I know that somehow what is will be changed Ultimately, all right, you can tell me what you think about all of this. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. I don't know if that's going to help anyone at all. I've handed it to you tonight. A lot of concepts there to work on. A lot of concepts there to think about. Thank you for giving me the grace to be able to just in real time come up here to the studio and try to talk all of this out. I'm by no means, I didn't say I had a clear destination. And I know we kind of weaved and, and all over the road. But I hope that this will give you much to consider and think and struggle with as we live in a world where everything around us contradicts the faith which we hold to. 
Love to get your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great, 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 great evening. And uh, if I don't do anything later tonight, um, we'll be back tomorrow with another day of live broadcasting. Hopefully tomorrow will go smoother. We're having really weird um, issues. And when I first start live broadcasting, we're having internet issues. We're just having these weird technical issues that are occurring. So I'm going to hopefully tomorrow... As soon as I get up, I'm going to just restart the internet. And hopefully when we start live broadcasting tomorrow, we won't have any problems. Um, we are grateful uh, between four, I think four listeners and their contributions. We're up to almost $2,000. That's going to go towards replacing the sound system. Uh, yeah, tomorrow, I think tomorrow, I'm supposed to go to the church with someone who's going to look at everything and start trying to come up with a solution for our problems there. And then this laptop is barely hanging on, so we're getting closer and closer where I can order a brand new Mac. That's what we're going to try to do because this Dell laptop is on its end. So we're get, we're we're trying. Our, our, we wanted to get close to three thousand is what we wanted to just cover everything, but we're at two thousand right now with four or five listeners contributing. So we are very 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 grateful. Thank you. If for any reasons you would like to help us be able to have everything that we need to live broadcast. You can go to theologycentral.net and donate or the Church One app or Sermons 2.0. Just hit the donate tab if you want. You don't have to. We're never going to monetize anything. We're never going to put anything behind a paywall, but just if you would like to help us. But we are grateful. So for those who gave, thank you so very much. If that's all we get, we're very grateful. It gets us very close. And uh, hopefully we can uh, hopefully we can uh, get all the new equipment and get everything set up. I'd like to by the middle of April. Maybe the first couple, uh, maybe the week, first week of April would be great. And uh, hopefully we can get it all set up and we won't, well, maybe it will eliminate some of the problems that we are, we're having some problems at church. We're having some problems here, having some problems everywhere. So, um, and we know, we know some of the issues. We know some of the issues. I mean, when you, when you're using audio equipment, that's, that, uh, that, that's uh, our sound booth was set up in 2001. It's the exact same equipment minus the computer that used to be there. Because that was replaced with this, we were using a lap. Uh, we were using an iPad for a, 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 a period of time. We, we've we've tried everything um, to try to keep it going. So, uh, but I mean, the the amp that we're using, I can't turn off or on. I have to unplug it now every time. So it's everything's getting close to the end of its expiration date. And so I think we've been very good stewards to use the same equipment from 2001 to 2023. And this laptop has done very well, but considering how many hours of broadcasting we do a day, um, yeah, or how many hours we do a week, I think we've done uh, pretty good. So it's time to just like, let's get the good stuff and be done for hopefully another 20 years. So that's what we're going to attempt to do. Thank you for anyone who's emailed me to ask how it was going. I thought I'd give an update. I was going to do just a broadcast about it, but you know, why, why do that? Um, so that's the situation. If you'd like to help, great. But please, never pressure. We don't even like to ask, but it is a big, big expense for a little small church in the middle of nowhere. So, um, yeah, so that's what we're working on, and hopefully it'll all be fixed soon. And then, well, we won't have, hopefully we can just stop having so many issues. It's just so weird lately. So we'll see. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Uh, the, the pod page is theologycentral.net. The Church One app is the app we tell everyone to download right now. You can download the Church One app, Apple or Google, Church O-N-E. Do a search for Theology Central. It turns it into our app. 
or you can find us on the Sermons 2.0 app. Make sure you you follow us, and then it'll always in your feed. Every time there's a new episode, it'll be right there in your feed. If you're not using the Sermons 2.0 app, please consider downloading it and then looking for as many broadcasts as possible. Follow them, and then every day, look at your feed. You got new sermons, new content, and uh, give you plenty of spiritual food. Forget, forget us. Even if you don't follow us, follow everyone else, all right? And if you are using the Sermons 2.0 app, I would love to know the broadcasts you're following, the, the churches you're following, because if I'm not following them, I like to follow them to hear what you're listening to. So let me know. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.